Hello everyone and welcome to a very scary, spooky, but still news. <laughs> Thank you for that, Maggie. Was that good? Was that spooky? We we are scary this week, but we are still as packed as ever when it comes to all the latest goings on with the British royal family. I'm of course your host, Omid Scobie, joined by Maggie Woolley. How are you doing, Mags? Hey, Omid. I'm very excited for this Halloween. Uh, well, you know, it's it's weird because I, you know, I certainly know for you, Halloween is a big deal. And obviously being in the middle of lockdown or various stages of lockdown, when- It's been a little weird this we're year. We're not really getting to celebrate. I mean, I certainly have a bowl of candy. And in fact, my friend said to me yesterday, we have spent most of this year in masks and overeating sweets. So we've kind of had a very extended... We don't need Halloween this year. Although, please tell me you're dressing up Yoshi. Uh, he has he has an outfit. I just don't know where he's going to wear it. Uh, at least on Instagram. He, Promise me that. He'll do it for the gram. He'll do it for the gram. He'll do it. Yoshi will do it for the gram. That is so true. Well, I was excited because we got the chance to dress up. We did. Yes. Later on in the show, Maggie and I will be going on somewhat of a ghost tour of Hampton Court Whoa. Palace. Uh, we had special access out of hours to see some of the scariest sights in the former home of King Henry VIII. Uh, a, it's really spooky. It's a beautiful spot. And it's what I think there's this yeah, sort of weird... Gorgeous. Um, mix between it being this incredible palace, but also probably being one of the scariest royal sites in the country. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, and and it, you can like feel the ghosts going through you, even the the chills in the air. Am I setting the scene well? Omid? You are. You are. We we were very yeah, lucky. Thank you. We thank we you. um we obviously took it very seriously. We arrived in full mm. Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> Which unfortunately you, good. Oh, you can't see listening to us on the AirPod. But uh, for in an AirPod first, we are also bringing in video this week. And we'll have more details of that later in the show. But you'll be able to join us as we traipse around the corridors and the creepy rooms of Hampton Court Palace. It was a really fun morning. It's and pretty I, and awesome. I'm, gl- I'm, I'm excited for everyone to check it out. <laughs> Plus, it's just nice to get outside. I think the royal beat has really had anyone focused on the royal family, just sort of stuck at their desks for the past six months. <laughs> and more importantly, it was great to be able to do this because this is part of an exhibit that's currently going on at historic royal palaces. It's open to the general public here in the UK. They look after many of the un- 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 Occupied royal spaces here in the UK, and they always put on a great show. There's an incredible spread out at Hampton Court Palace, which is just um, outside of central London. So if you are in the UK, please do check it out. We'll have more details on that later in the show. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the news, I wanted to share a bit of a fun stat. It was an article I came across on Town and Country um, where they had gone into the details over one of the big, big changes that happens at royal residences across the country when the clocks change back. Of course, we've recently gone into our sort of winter time zone. It is the end of the warmer months. And as we descend into... <sighs> darkness on so many different levels Maggie. <laughs> um, one major change needs to happen at the royal residences in the UK and that is turning 1,500 clocks what? <laughs> 
Why do they have so many clocks? Oh my, don't they just use their iPhones? Well, unfortunately not. The Queen's Royal Residences, uh, this is a sort of a biannual <laughs> undertaking that t- requires an entire team of experts that spend wow. 40 hours working with the oh, Royal Collection, which is the department of the Royal Household that cares for um, the sort of artifacts and arts and anything uh, on, on that side of things within the royal residences the occupied royal resident residences and they have a group mm-hmm. of um, horological conservators that adjust the 1500 timepieces to account for the end of british summertime this includes 450 clocks at windsor castle 600 clocks at buckingham palace <gasps> and 50 at the palace of holyrood house up in scotland and so these range from... I mean, that's an incredible job. Yeah, these range from traditional timepieces, such as the kind of museum quality clocks that we often see in some of the exhibits mm. in the royal households, to musical clocks, miniature clocks, turret clocks, grandfather clocks, you name it, the Queen has it. They probably have to be really careful with a lot of those clocks as well, because I'm sure they're quite old and delicate. Yes, exactly. So hence why it requires 40 this is really embarrassing because I have one clock in my office, one <laughs> clock. And you know, the entire summer months, I never changed it. So now it's back to being the right time. That's my, f- because I just, <laughs> my favorite part too lazy. of the end of British yeah. summertime is when the clock on my oven makes sense again. It's correct. Finally, <laughs> you need to hire those Queens people to come over. They're changing thousands. What's one more? Exactly. Exactly. Um, we did see members of the royal family out and about this week, uh, including the Duchess of Cornwall, who was out in London uh, seeing a demonstration of COVID-19 detecting dogs trained by a charity that she supports, the medical <sighs> detection dogs. And these are Labradors that are trained to sniff out the viruses. And so they had actually met up mm. with uh, Britain's Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, at Paddington Station uh, to see some of the work in action and I know this is something you've you've looked into already Maggie it's a fascinating I know, you know I'm so excited by this story <laughs> yeah it's fascinating I mean I, I know the uh, uh Camilla has already met with these dogs once before and so I love that she's following up with them again and I've been in contact with the organization and you know it's not just this organization here in the UK they're also uh, partners around the world and other uh, researchers uh, that are working with these dogs they've already been deployed in the airport in Finland in Helsinki to start sniffing out coronavirus passengers and I know that here in the UK they're hoping uh, that within the next few months even that some of these dogs can maybe be in the airports in the UK uh, and so it, it's really incredible you know dogs are already used to sniff out other diseases some people with diabetes use them to help regulate and warn them when their blood sugar is too low or too high so I always you know I have a very large soft spot for the puppy Omid and so I love though that to be reminded that they're not only adorable but uh they're so smart as well and the fact that they could help us right now uh, during this pandemic is so incredible we love a good boy or good girl (laughs) on this show This is very much a good boy story. Well, we had good boys and girls at the Cambridge household this week when George, Charlotte and Louis worked with their parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, to bake cupcakes for a very good cause. Uh, We're in the sort of build up to Remembrance Day here in the UK and to support the poppy appeal, which are the sort of little red poppies that many of you, uh, many of the listeners may see uh, a lot of people Mm. on television wearing this time of the year, particularly members of the royal family. Um, This is all in support of the Royal British Legion. Um, So the poppies raise money 
for the organisation, which uh, help provide financial, social, political, emotional support to anyone that has served or is currently serving in the British Armed Forces. And so the Cambridge family uh, showed their support for the Poppy Appeal this year by baking some poppy decorated cupcakes that were delivered to a British Legion care home in Norfolk, very close to their their place of Animal Hall. And there was a lot of uh, commentary online about the delicate detailing in these cupcakes. I think some people couldn't quite believe that it was kids that (laughs) that had put them together was it really is george really that great of a well listen decorator? we have seen george in action he he did help <laughs> the queen with the mince pies up uh, before christmas really okay maybe they're just training them young over but there listen the we are we are the home of good baking in the uk <laughs> the home of bake-off so i think <laughs> that is true i have had more friends reaching out to me under lockdown becoming obsessed with the great british bake-off i feel like that show is just taking over even american yeah, absolutely. television right now we saw charlotte delivering food that she had helped cook to isolated pensioners near their home on the sandringham estate and that was before mm. lockdown uh, we know that louis likes helping mum in the kitchen in fact kate says that they really enjoy making pizzas together as one of their sort of like family activities so we could have three miniature royal chefs on our hands here i would watch that reality tv show in pitch it before someone else does (laughs) (gasps) you're right let's do it oh man well maybe it could be something all right we'll talk about that later it could be something the sussexes (laughs) might be interested in given that they're working very closely with netflix and we got a chance to catch up with the duke of sussex this week when he joined the British edition of GQ magazine for some of their content for Black History Month, Mm. which we're just coming to the end of here in October. In a conversation with the protest or the Black Lives Matter protest hero, Patrick Hutchinson, Harry spoke about um, uh, being married to Meghan and how that had really truly made him aware of unconscious bias. Finally, he admitted to being somewhat... uh, ignorant towards it for a number of years and this was a really interesting conversation almost 40 minutes in length shared by British GQ as part of their hero series and so they spoke about fatherhood mental health and um, Harry himself he said ignorance is no longer an excuse um, for unconscious bias and reflected that it took him many years to realize it and he spoke about walking or spending a day or a week in his wife's shoes finally made him realise what how bad the issue was. Unconscious bias, from my understanding, you know, having had the the upbringing and the and the education that I had, I I had no idea that what it was. I had no idea it existed. And then, you know, sad as it is to say, it, it took me many many years to to to, to realise it. Especially then, living a day or a week in my wife's shoes. For me, it's always a tricky one to try and explain something like this because, um, you know, I'm no expert in in this field. You know, I can only sort of give my opinions. I feel like, first of all, you have to be willing to to listen and have the conversation, have those uncomfortable conversations because it is an uncomfortable conversation. He got so personal. And I know that we've seen, you know, Harry get quite personal recently and all of the royals speak quite passionally about things that are important to them. But Owen, I'm curious, you know, is this, 
The way that Harry spoke out in this interview seems to almost take to the next level. You know, he's talking about uh, unconscious bias and being very vulnerable and talking about faults he's had in the past, talking about, you know, what it's like for his wife. Have we really heard Harry uh, get this raw and vulnerable before? Is this something that the royals normally do? I think for Harry, this is something that he does or has always done Mm. particularly well. I think that ability to open up perhaps a little bit more than we're used to seeing from mm. members of the royal family. He wears, you know, it's such a cliche, but we hear people often talking about him wearing his heart on his sleeve. And I think that comes across in all of these conversations that we've seen him have in recent months, uh, whether it's with activists or Black Lives Matter um, protesters. Um, this is something he truly feels passionate about. And I think For people to connect with the work that you're doing, you have to, I think, show that vulnerable side, to show why you are personally Mm. invested in it. Uh, It's more, I think, for for Harry than just being um, someone involved in social issues and and charitable affairs. I think it has a personal meaning to him as a father of a mixed-race child, as a husband of a biracial woman, a woman who has obviously put up with a lot of very public racism in a number of different forms. And so I think for him, it feels like it's his chance to actually do something about it. Mm, that's interesting. I think you mentioned his son as well. Now that Archie is in the world, then you know his son's going to have to grow up uh, in this world being biracial. It probably puts just a whole new perspective for him as well, being the dad of a child that he knows you know he wants to be the best father possible. Mm, absolutely. And this was one of the things we heard Harry talk about with um, with Patrick on this chance. I mean, you'll remember that very iconic image of Patrick who sort of rose Mm -hmm. to global fame in June during a Black Lives Matter process in London when he lifted a white counter protester to safety. And it was a very powerful image. He was described in many of the reports as this kind of accidental hero for his actions. And Harry himself called him a guardian angel. And uh, Patrick Mm. himself is now using his platform to advocate for racial justice and a fair society. He set up an organization or a collective called United to Change and Inspire with three other friends. And he's also writing a book and I think uh, given how well they got on in this conversation I can I can see Harry perhaps collaborating with Patrick further down the line. And you know this week we saw Megan making headlines as well we know that uh, she has that ongoing court case against several tabloids here in the UK and uh, it was supposed to be in January so not that far from now just a couple months but her legal team was granted a postponement so now it looks like uh, that trial the legal case won't happen until actually next fall so pretty much in a year so you know obviously we'll be following that but it's it's going to be a while before we have any real updates, it sounds like. Yeah, what was interesting about that was just the amount of speculation online uh, for sort of reasons behind why something like that mm. m- might be postponed. Um, but of course, that is, as you say, the official line from their camp. Um, you know, it's a story that keeps on providing. <laughs> <laughs> Provide for another year, Omid. <laughs> Well, after the break, we'll be heading over to Hampton Court Palace for our Halloween adventure. And I couldn't think of anyone better to be spending it with Maggie, uh, particularly when we both get a chance to dress up. Well, welcome back, everyone. Maggie, have you got your costume ready? You you good to go? Oh, I am ready, Omen. We are good to go. It's time to get spooky. Yeah, you know, I, I think both of us toyed with the idea of perhaps going down the royal routes for costumes this year. But <laughs> I, I, can, I can say that I went with the safe option. I am 
Ma the <laughs> maverick himself. Um, I've gone in my full Top Gun overalls. Uh, and Maggie, th th there's been an interesting cultural difference between your character or your choice of character in the US compared to here in the UK. Well, yes, you know, I wanted to stand out at the spooky Halloween haunted house. So I was going as Where's Waldo, a beloved character in the U.S. But guys, in the U.K., everyone calls him Where's Wally. So people kept asking me, Where's Wally? And I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I don't know where this <laughs> Wally character is. Waldo is right here. It was it was a lot to process, Omid. It was a lot to take in. <laughs> well, it was a great morning. We got to visit the haunted gallery at Hampton Court Palace. The palace itself has reportedly been the site of many strange and spine-tingling encounters over Ooh. the century. And they've opened their doors, uh, particularly during the school holidays. It's half-term for kids here in the UK, uh, for people to actually go and check out uh, the stories behind some of the strange happenings at Hampton Court Palace and why it has such a spooky reputation. Well, we're lucky enough to be at Hampton Court, famous home of King Henry VIII. One of the most haunted spots, particularly at this time of the year. We're lucky enough to have Joe Cooper, State Apartment Warder, That's with right, us. That's right, yes. Albeit the key to all of the history here. <laughs> well, one of them anyway. <laughs> I think I loved, um, someone described your job title as um, uh, head of the department of what goes bump in the night. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that is just perfect, really, because we, we really are head of what goes bump in the night. Many people have experienced those bumps in the night as well. Yes. Joe, I mean, there are so many haunted stories here. Yeah. You've worked here for a number of years. Yes, yes. What are some of the most favourites that come to mind when you think about Halloween at Hampton Court? Mm. I've, you know, even looking on the website, when you read some of the, the visitor reviews of people oh, who've come yes. here, everyone seems to have their own encounters to yes. share. Yes, they do. I mean, obviously, the most popular story we have, because it's one of the most popular places in the palace, is Catherine Howard, who is the fifth wife of Henry VIII, running down the haunted gallery screaming. I mean, basically, she was the young teenage bride of Henry. He, at the time, was nearly 50. He was very sort of bloated, bad-tempered, but he absolutely adored his child bride. But the only thing was, he hadn't been told about her past. Oh, yes. So six months into the marriage, she was seeking the company of younger men. Oh, and she bought one of her old boyfriends to court as a private secretary, Francis Derham. And at the same time, she became heavily involved with one of Henry's own friends. Thomas Culpepper, who was also a gentleman of the bedchamber. Now, scandal and gossip was rife in the palace because she was, let's say, she was indiscreet. And soon people were getting very frightened that they would have to tell Henry, but just didn't want to because they knew that if they did, they'd probably end up in the Tower of London with their head removed. So it was left to none other than the Archbishop of Canterbury himself, Thomas Cranmer, even he couldn't face Henry. He left him a letter on the stool in the royal pew for him to read. I know, even he could not face the king. Well, Henry was distraught and furious. And so an investigation was carried out. It was all found. The rumours were true. And basically, her household was split up. She was put under house arrest in her own rooms. 
and Francis Derham and Thomas Culpepper were sent to the Tower of London and I think you can probably guess what happened to them both. Oh yes, they were executed. But because Henry liked Thomas, he was just simply beheaded. But he had how to... Kind. Yeah, yeah. How kind. How <laughs> kind. How generous. But because somebody had to pay the price, it was Francis Derham who was hung, drawn and oh. quartered. Now, oh. I don't know if you know what that actually is. It's pretty grotesque. I can imagine. Shall I, I describe it to let's, you? Let's hear the gory details. Yes. Oh. So, oh. Oh. <laughs> they have. For those, for those people that don't know, so you are hung till you are unconscious, cut down, you are then quartered, so you've got all your innards oh. sort of open and taken out, and then you're attached to four horses who then pull you apart in four oh. directions, so you're literally quartered and drawn. I'm so, sorry, reliving history as ghost tales is just so traumatizing weird. because really? oh, you, you hear all these stories, you're like, oh, it's a ghost story. And then you're like, oh no, all this, hor all this horrible things actually happened actually in happened. real life. Yes. Well, it's so interesting. We think of the working palaces that current yeah. members of the royal family live in. They yeah. all have their own mm. ghost stories to share. I think one of my favorites <laughs> is Prince Charles and their Christmas visits to Sandringham. In the 80s, he spoke about receiving or feeling cold air on his neck throughout the whole trip. Oh. And I've actually spoken with some of the staff who worked at Sandringham since at Christmases, and they have stories of Christmas cards flying across the room and severe paranormal activity. Really? Even today? Even up until this point. So when we think about the stories that go on uh, here, it's yeah. no surprise given the torture. I was going to say, I'll take some flying many. Christmas cards over <laughs> tales of torture any day. But it is interesting how it's been going on for so long and that even to this day, you know, the future king it sort of admits to seeing ghosts and to feeling the paranormal uh, because it's been so entrenched in royal history. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you think Henry VIII, you say Henry VIII, mm. your automatic reaction is, oh my goodness, it's beheading, it's people yeah. being put to the torture and literally being butchered and obviously he didn't do that here but at the Tower of London that's where a lot of people were tortured for information and that a lot more ghosts actually are seen Ugh. yes and of course we've got two wives here we've got Catherine Howard wife number five we've got Jane Seymour wife number three mm -hmm. uh, Jane was his favored wife she gave birth to Edward in Catherine of Aragon's old rooms, actually, mm. the first wife's old rooms, because her rooms wasn't, they weren't ready in time. <laughs> so she gave birth to this lovely boy, Edward, who was going to be the future, uh, Edward VI, Henry jubilant because he needed a son to continue the Tudor dynasty. That's why he married so often, to try and get this longed-for son. A woman had never ruled successfully in England before, and he didn't want to leave it to his two remaining daughters, his older daughters, the future Mary I, the future Elizabeth I. But unfortunately, 12 days after the birth, she contracted an illness and died. And, but she is seen on the silver stick stairs. She lives on here. She lives on here, just, just as Catherine does. So how often do people see these ghosts, see these spirit, uh, spiritual happenings? Well, the records have actually been taken since the Victorian period. So we've got quite a wealth of information. And because at the time people lived at the palace as Grace and Favour residents, of course if you live somewhere then you're more attuned to what goes on here, mm. the noises and the bumps 
and the creaks of the building and anything which is out of the ordinary, the kind of thing that wakes you from your deep sleep at night and you think, what was that? Was that a shriek? Oh, and you either pull the bedclothes up tighter or you, if you're very brave, you go and investigate. I mean, there's been some um, residents with Jane, they've actually woken up, especially servants, and they've seen an apparition of a beautiful woman, all dressed in the white with her golden hair, staring at them from the end of the bed. And I can tell you that some of those servants they quit their jobs because it kept happening and they thought um, we're just not paid to, to, to deal with ghosts of Henry VIII's you know, wives. We, we need to be out of here. I find it really interesting that a lot of the sort of spiritual ex or haunted experiences that people have here involve either female figures yes. or sometimes sort of feminine traits. You were talking yeah. to me earlier about smelling perfume. That's absolutely right. Even to this point. Absolutely right. I mean... In the palace, the palace soon, soon makes you understand. It's not just what you see, it's what you hear, smell, feel, touch. So it can assault any one of your senses when you least expect it. And in the newer part of the palace, the, what we call the Baroque side, built by Sir Christopher Wren in the 1690s, there is a series of private rooms which were really inhabited by Queen Caroline, who was the wife of George II. So we're talking about the 1720s, 1730s. There is a bathroom and then a dressing table, a little sort of a nice little area screened off. And in that room, constantly we have people saying they can smell roses, or lavender or oranges. Now I smell cedarwood or sandalwood. And as I think, you know, think about these smells, they're very different from one another. You can't mistake oranges for the delicate smell of roses. And some people get nothing at all. And yet there's nothing in the room and there's nothing around or beneath the room which would engender these scents. And in fact, one experience I had quite recently, I was standing in that room, you know, welcoming visitors and talking to visitors, and it was, there was a lull. And suddenly, I felt as if somebody had stood before me yeah. with a perfume atomizer and literally gave a couple of squirts just in front of me. Now, I didn't feel any moisture, but what I got was that epicenter of perfume that you get when you first... Huh. sort of squirt it onto your skin and I thought well there's nobody around me and there's nothing causing this so this is just another one of those unexplained events so are, are you a believer then I mean do you believe that there are ghosts here there's paranormal here well my view is that I agree with Hamlet <laughs> When he says to his friend Horatio in, in Shakespeare's play, he says, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, there are things we can't explain. If people say to me they've had an experience, I respect that because I know that everyone's different. Yeah. So I, I'm very, very open-minded and I just think in some ways, it's, it's nice, it's a lovely talking point, and obviously all these records 
are written down and maybe in the future they might find some scientific evidence. I mean, a couple of hundred years ago we didn't have telephones or televisions and yet they're all molecules in the air. Yeah, that's true. Well, we hear some of these stories from current members of the royal family. The Queen has spoken about seeing the ghost of Queen Elizabeth I in the library at Windsor Castle, as did her sister Margaret. Really? Yeah. The figure that they had both seen. Wow. And staff who work there, in fact I had a conversation with a former staff member not so long ago, spoke about that you can hear creaks sometimes on the floorboards yeah. in the library oh. in the middle of the night. And I think it's always fun to hear the stories still from current members mm -hmm. of the royal family. Yes. Where would you say is probably one of the most haunted royal sites in the country? Well, I think it's got to be the Tower of London. I think it has A lot to be. went down in the Tower of <laughs> so London. That would make sense. Things. Oh, yeah. seeing so many things. I mean, if you think about it, there were so many people who were imprisoned, I mean, just mm. in Henry VIII's time, who were literally in there for so long. I mean, Sir Walter mm. Raleigh was in there for years mm. in James I's time. And basically, they didn't know whether they were ever going to get out. They didn't know when the axe would suddenly fall, when it would be their last day. So it's heightened emotions. And like I said to you about, we've got the two queens here. Well, in the tower, obviously, Catherine Howard and her cousin, Anne Boleyn, were both wives of Henry and were beheaded in the tower. Now, Anne Boleyn, she's the second wife, I think probably the most famous mm. one people mm. recognize. Well, she seems to be seen everywhere in the tower. And there is actually a really lovely story, or probably not lovely for the person it concerns, <laughs> but um, in the Victorian period, this is 1864, there was a guard, he was standing guard at night in the tower precincts, and then through a wall, suddenly there appeared a female figure with no head. No head. So he had, <laughs> he had his, his, his bayonet attached to his, and, and he said, halt, who goes there? And there was absolutely no reply, so he thought, right. So he charged, he charged at the figure, went straight through her, and then was so terrified, he fainted on the floor. Now, if he thought that was bad enough, his commanding officer came along and found him on the floor. He thought he was asleep and it was a dereliction of duty. So he was literally about to be court-martialed. But fortunately for him, two other guards from one of the towers had witnessed the whole episode spoke up for him so he received no punishment. And they saw the, the They saw woman also? the whole no. thing that went on wow. and were able to speak up and confirm with the commanding officer so the, the poor guy didn't actually get punished or court-martialed. <laughs> so, so there you go. We've been hearing all of these stories. Omid, what do you think? Are you a believer? Do you think there are ghosts? Well, I paranormal think you there? may convince us when we go on a tour <laughs> shortly. Yes. But I think, I think what's really interesting about the spaces that we're in is that you do feel this sense of some, some areas mm. feel very closed in, that there are odd moments mm. of a chill or something yeah. that's slightly the unexplained. The chill is something that yeah. I think really anywhere where you have a history of mm. people being tortured yes. or having lived very painful mm. lives, there is at least an energy that remains yes. in that space. How yeah. we don't, it's hard to explain, but I, absolutely I'm a believer. Mm. Mm. And that, that history too, I mean, just being here reminds you of sort of uh, some of the, the dark spells that happened in the past. Well, the lo long dark spells yeah. that happened in the past with the royal family as well. And 
it can be hard hard to hear about honestly some of the, the torture and the you know marrying off of young women these are things that are uh, tough to remember but you know it is good to remember these things happened and to experience them in a way uh, like you can here at Hampton Court Palace is, yeah. is really special you really feel the history of life here the lucky thing for us is that we all get to leave. That is <laughs> very true. Royal residences with a lot of haunted stories. Kensington Palace and mm. Nursery is supposed to be haunted in a park. Nursery? One day. No. Poor George, poor Charlotte. Get George out of there. <laughs> Unfortunately, these are stories that they have to deal with. Often the paintings are on the wall. Mm. But. <laughs> Well, Joe, thank you so much. Oh, you are this so welcome. This has been so wonderful. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we have an extra treat, an extra surprise for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Um, Joe is going to take us on a behind-the-scenes tour of Hampton Court Palace. There's going to be more ghost stories. Uh, we're going to see some of those scenes you described you up close are. and personal. <laughs> so if you're listening on the podcast to this, you can go online and check it out. We'll have the video posted. And it's a little extra treat for you guys this Halloween. And oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that we forgot to mention we're wearing costumes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I should have been in a Ghostbusters. Yeah, obviously, clearly I'm with Top Gun, top but you need to be Ghostbusters. I was quite doing it for me in this space. This is actually a little homage to William and Harry and their, oh, their clever licenses. Yeah. We've uh, spoken a lot about Harry's mm -hmm. work in the military and we'll, we'll uh, yeah. the show as well. Well, I'm just Where's Waldo, as we call him in the States. But apparently you guys call him Where's Wally. We call him Where's Wally. The security guard, as we pulled up to Hampton Corvallis, goes, oh, I see you brought Where's Wally with you today. Because, <laughs> yes, I was wearing this in the car. Um, <laughs> so anyway, our costumes. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, make sure to stick around and check out the extra video because it's very spooky and fantastic. And I promise it will give you chills. And as Omid said, it'll make you a believer. Well, I don't know about you, Maggie, but I didn't feel completely at ease as we pulled out of Hampton Court after that little no, session. I don't know if you can you can tell or not from our from uh, that moment, but um, I was not that cool. I, I was kind of freaked out some of the time. You can definitely tell that you know spooky happenings have happened there. Absolutely, and for anyone that wants more of that, we've actually went on a tour of the Haunted Gallery and some of the spookiest spots in the palace mm -hmm. with our awesome guide, Joe Cooper, who took us around. And if you want to check that out, uh, there should be links to it on your social media or my social media. So at Maggie Rooley or at SCOBY on Twitter, or just head over to goodmorningamerica.com. I had a lot of fun, Maggie. I could, we definitely need to be doing some more of these over the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, I think this is going to become a new regular occurrence. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to dress up every time. You Absolutely. Know, new costumes just out and about around London. <laughs> well, I just want to say... Maybe that was just for Halloween. <laughs> well, I just want to say a big thanks to Adam and Charlie at HRP, Historic Royal Palaces, for arranging our little outing. It was great to get out. Um, and if you do want more information on any of the unoccupied royal residences that HRP look after, or even the Tower of London itself, which I, I can't say I particularly want to rush into after hearing some of those stories from <laughs> Joe, just head over to hrp.org.uk. And that just about wraps us up for this week. Maggie, are you out trick-or-treating this weekend? You know, I'll probably um, do what you said and just buy a large bowl of candy that I get to eat all by myself. I love that. That's, this is the year to just eat a bowl of chocolate. You know, if, if there's any year to do it, it's 2020. <laughs>
Well, stick with us for all the latest royal news. We are with you every Friday, and next week will be no different. A lot going on, a lot on the royal diaries um, at the moment, so we should have some very interesting stories next week. Take care, guys. Be safe. Look after each other. Thank you.